Thank you so much to uh, Aaron and Mary and our praise band. Well, we applaud how the Lord has used them today. Well, we appreciate how they led us in worship today. I'm always amazed that the longer they sing, the more people come in. And the longer I preach, the more people go out or something like that. But uh, hey, would you take your Bibles, please, and find the Old Testament book of 2 Kings chapter 22. Going to be reading verses 8 through 20. 2 Kings chapter 22. If you'd find your Bibles or everybody's got a smartphone or there are some Bibles under some of the seats there, I'd love for you to be able to look at some of these. Most of the verses will be on our Jumbotron, but uh, you can... Uh, uh, not all of those, so you may want to have that in front of you today. And we're glad to we're glad to see you. October the first. So here we are. It is uh, the first day, I guess, the last three months of this calendar year, and kind of moving in really to what we call the fall events and those kind of things. So kind of finishing the year. We want to finish the year strong. Some of you might remember that we started uh, in 2021 the faith campaign. The faith campaign had uh, several goals. $1.3 million was the goal. You know, it was to pay off our debt, uh, also to be involved in more missions and ministry, to be part of current projects and future projects that are going on. Many of you know our, our goal was to pay off our debt by 2023. We did it in 2021, and so the Lord did it. You were faithful, and we give him all praise, honor, and glory. We're continuing uh, to go for our goal. Uh, we're, we're like at 1.2, a little bit above that, and then... Uh, and then we want, we're continuing to uh, provide funds for missions and ministry beyond what our budget does, as well as uh, current projects, which you see happening all around, and as well as future projects as well. Let me, let me say this in terms that you can understand. We're in the red zone. Uh, we don't want to kick a field goal. We want to push it over the line, and you can help us. Some, many of you made pledges. You're still getting those in. Even if you're new members since 2021, first started this, you can certainly contribute to that. We believe this ought to be above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings. But uh, just know that whether you give the budget or the faith campaign, you're giving toward uh, missions and ministry. You're giving toward kingdom work and doing part of the Lord's work. But I'm thankful for you, Parkway Baptist Church. And I'm thankful that the Lord has used you. And as we sang about today, He is worthy. And uh, we give Him all praise, honor, and glory. We're at 2 Kings chapter 22. We uh, are continuing our series that uh, uh, we have called the uh, If My People, Living the Life That God Intended, looking at some of the passages in Kings and Chronicles as we uh, finish this out. But uh, we glad you hear this now. It's the Word of God. Verse 8 says, And Hilkiah the priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. The king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahiakam the son of Shaphan and Akbor the son of Micaiah and Shaphan the secretary and Isaiah the king's servant saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me for the people in all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. So Hilkiah the priest and Ahiakim and Akbor and Shaphan and Asiah went to hold of the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they talked with her 
And she said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants, all the words of the book that the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and made offerings to other gods, that they may provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands, therefore my wrath will be kindled against this place, and it will not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you've heard, because your heart was penitent, you humbled yourself before the Lord. When you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers. You shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. And they brought back word to the king. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. It was probably toward the end of 1946, maybe the beginning of 1947, there were some Bedouin teenagers watching over their goats and their sheep near the place called Qumran, right near the northeast of the Dead Sea, what's now called uh, the West Bank. One of the young shepherds tossed a rock into an opening in the cliff, and he was surprised to hear shattering sound take place. Upon investigation and going in, he walked in, he found seven jars, large jars contained leather and papyrus scrolls. An antiques dealer bought those scrolls and uh, before long they were in various hands of scholars who estimate the text were upwards of 2,000 years old after word of discovery got out Bedouin treasure hunters archaeologists unearthed tens of thousands of additional scroll fragments from 10 nearby caves together to make up about 800 to 900 manuscripts with portions of almost every Old Testament book including the full manuscript of Isaiah the Dead Sea Scrolls, the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls is considered one of the most significant archaeological finds of modern times. Not because it taught us anything new about the Bible, but it was significant because it gave significant credence to the authenticity and accuracy of the Old Testament. Dead Sea Scrolls was an important find. In our story for today, we find in 2 Kings that the Old Testament Books of the first five books of the Bible, the books of the law, was found in the temple, particularly Deuteronomy. It was found when good King Josiah began to have the temple repaired. The book of the law should have been kept near the Holy of Holies or near the Ark of the Covenant, but a disregard for God's word has caused it to be lost, to be misplaced. Or it could have been because of the uh, mishandling or the disdain for the scriptures by God's people that it could have been purposefully hidden away. May I submit to you that the greatest discovery in the history of Judah was this discovery of God's Word in the story that we have just read about. May I also submit to you today that the greatest discovery perhaps that might happen to you today could happen in this place as we pay heed to this story as well as other scriptures that we find in the Bible today. In the portents of all the scripture, the person for whom all the scripture exalts our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will make a difference when we look at God's Word, make understanding, make correct application. For the day, the Lord wants you to be able to answer the questions. How do you know? How do you know God is real? How do you know what is true? 
How do you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior? And the Bible has the answer. You're going to be able to answer these questions before you leave if you and I pay attention to the text today. Now, Josiah was one of the good kings of Judah. There are 39 kings who reigned in all of Judah and all the northern kingdom of Israel all together. And of the 39, only eight could be considered good. We read about one of those last week as we looked at good King Hezekiah who brought revival, spiritual reform to the land and even invited others to take part in the revival. After the death of Hezekiah, his son Manasseh reigned for 55 years. He was the longest reigning king of Judah, and he was not a good king. If you got your Bibles, you might notice in 2 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. It says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. Manasseh being the longest reigning king of Judah and when in one of the evil kings, if not the most evil king. You might remember the names of the king and queen of the northern kingdom of Israel, Ahab and Jezebel. Well, they were pretty evil, but here we have Manasseh and he was the Ahab of Judah. He set up high places all around the kingdom to worship idols and false gods. He desecrated the temple in Jerusalem by bringing in the idols of the sun and the moon and the stars, sacrificed children, or he condoned sacrifice of children to false gods, had temple prostitutes. Tradition tells us that he may have been the one that actually saw the prophet Isaiah in half. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, in Hebrews eleven thirty-seven, 37, it says, among other things, People of faith were sawed in half at times, or sawed in two. Many students of the Bible believe that's pointing back to Manasseh and his evil practices. We don't know for sure how the books of the law were lost, but most believe that it was during Manasseh's reign. They would not want to have anything to do with the Word of God, and it's only because of God's providence that the books of the law were not destroyed. Manasseh's son, Amon, Reigned for only two years, and he was just like his dad. 2 Kings chapter 21 and verse 20 says he did evil in the sight of the Lord, just like his dad had done. His servants conspired against him, and they had him assassinated. And then the people had all of those servants killed so that David's line of succession would continue. The successor, next king of Judah, grandson of Manasseh, great-grandson of Hezekiah, was Josiah. He was eight years old. We read about him just a moment ago, the boy king. In fact, 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 and 2 says this. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. He reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah, of Boscalth. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Mentored probably by his mother or maybe some other godly servants of the king. I want you to see the timeline perhaps of King Josiah. At age 8, he became king. At age 16, he committed himself to the Lord. Scripture tells us at age 20, he began to repair the temple and undo the damage that was done by his father and his grandfather. By age 26, the book of the law was found and read, and he began to completely reform Judah. Now, the process itself is remarkable, but even the ages are significant. Because we want you to understand that oftentimes in the Bible it talks about children, teenagers, and young adults that were used by the Lord. So I want to say maybe to our teenagers and to our students and to our young adults, don't wait. Don't put it off. 
Seek now to follow God. Seek now to be able to be used by Him. He wants to use you in great and mighty ways. We think of Jesus who was in the temple at age 12. David Livingston, famous missionary, was said to have memorized Psalm 119 by the age of 9. 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. We'll talk more about it in a minute. Now also, if you're, if you're middle age, or maybe, maybe you're a seasoned adult, well, keep asking God and His guidance of all things. Regardless of your age, start today and commit yourself to the Lord. But Josiah had a passion for God, even as a boy, like his great-grandfather. must have skipped a couple of generations. And at the age of 20, he saw the disrepair of the temple in Jerusalem of God's house. And he sent word to the high priest, take the money that is in the temple treasury, do what you have to do in order to repair the temple. And it was during the repairs of the temple that the book was found. It was the book of the law. They had been lost somewhere in the temple. Now, I really had the idea that I would bring a table up here and I would find all the Bibles that have been left in our church. And it's a pretty significant amount. And go ahead, just as an illustration, look at the Bibles. And I'll come and get yours if you've lost it. Feel free at this time. But the workers found it, gave it to the high priest. High priest gave it to the secretary of the temple. Secretary of the temple read it first. And then he came and he read it to Josiah. When King Josiah heard the words of the book. We read it a moment ago. What did he do? He tore his robes in repentance and grief. Well, what could he have read that could have caused the king to tear his robes and to be so remorseful? Well, let's consider in the book of Deuteronomy. could have picked many verses, but in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 15, it says this, For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and He destroy you from off the face of the earth. Or it could have been from Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 18 and 19. It says, when he, when he is seated on the royal throne, speaking about future kings of Israel, said He is to write a copy of this instruction for Himself on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. It is to remain with Him and He is to read from it all the days of His life so that He may... Learn to fear the Lord as God, to observe all the words of this instruction, and to do these statutes. He knew that not only he, but he knew that the king's before him. So when he tears his robe, when he comes in remorse and repentance, it's just for him. But it's for the kings that came before him for the sins of all the people like Moses did for the Israelites in the wilderness and the Israel in the past. He felt responsibility for the sins of the people. He sent five trusted men to inquire of the Lord what to do next. These are five men and five names that I will not repeat to you again today. But you remember those names, perhaps we read a moment ago. And they found a prophetess. Now there are many prophetesses that are mentioned in the Bible. And uh, it, though it was about this time that Zedekiah and Jeremiah were contemporaries or just beginning their ministry, but this prophetess told the fab five men to go and tell Josiah there will be a disaster on the land of Judah. God's wrath will come because they have worshipped other gods, because they have taken on the gods of the people who had lived there before and who were still living there, the people that were around them. God's wrath will consume the nation because of their disobedience. But he tells those men, says, go tell Josiah... He will be spared from this. This will not take place during his reign because he humbled himself before God when he read the book of the law. When this was told to Josiah, 
King Josiah chapter 23 tells us that he gathered all the people of Judah as well as the prophets and the priests and he read the book of the law to all the people. And the Bible says he stood and made a covenant before the Lord and a commitment to follow all of its commands. And then all the people stood and they also made a covenant and commitment to follow all the commandments of God. The boy king, good king Josiah, followed in his great-grandfather's footsteps and along with King David, he became a servant king, a servant of God and to the people of God. And he began with the temple and he repaired the temple and he began again the worship of God in Jerusalem and in the temple only and the sacrifices to God. He undid all the practices of his grandfather, Manasseh, tore down all the high places, stopped all the worship of idols and of foreign gods, restored worship only in Jerusalem. He burned in the Kidron Valley right next to Jerusalem all the things that had been dedicated, if anything had been dedicated or had been used in worship of other gods or other idols. And he did this not only in Judah, but he did this also in Samaria, many parts of the, what was once the ten northern tribes of Israel. Such was the commitment to the Lord that the people followed his lead. And even now, people living in northern Israel at that time were being influenced by God. He began also the Passover, which had not been observed or had not been observed correctly at the right time for a long time to come and invited others to come and take part in the Passover. And as even here, if we read in chapter 23 and saw the Passover, we should think maybe back to what happened in the Exodus, but also to the fact that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And all stories point to Jesus. Such is the possibility of all those who follow the Lord Jesus and commit to living by His Word. Such is the possibility of having an influence and being used for the kingdom. This morning, our focus is going to be on the Bible itself. Just as last week, we focused on the prayers of Hezekiah and the importance of prayer. Today I want us to give tribute to the Bible. It's one of my most favorite subjects to talk about, to talk about God's Word. I don't know that I'm so much, feel that I'm so much of a, a gifted Bible teacher, but I do believe that I have a passion for it. And it, it's a passion that I like to pass along. And, and if these things, I want you to help me here because if these things do not come about Passionately, if I don't say it in, a, in, the, in the ways in which I feel and what I want them to come across in a passionate way, you just kind of fill in and know that I'm passionate about these things, and we need to be, because I, I want us to set the pace. I want to set the pace of how we view the Word of God for the next three months of this year and as we move on into the new year as well. But consider a moment for those who have given their lives for the gospel, for the good news, those lives for the teaching and preaching of God's Word. First Christian martyr was Stephen. He was a deacon. And he was stoned because he was preaching the Word. Every one of the disciples were killed for preaching the Gospel, except John, who was exiled. The Apostle Paul, by tradition, we believe that he was beheaded. Some of the early Christian fathers were killed for preaching and teaching the Bible, like Justin Martyr, Origen, and Polycarp. Origen was tortured, put in stocks, bound hand and foot, publicly ridiculed before his execution. Polycarp was told that he would not be killed, not be executed, if he would just deny the faith. His words have become epic. He says, as part of his words, 80 and 6 years have I served the Lord. How then can I blaspheme my King and Savior? Bring forth what thou wilt. And they tied him to a stake and they set him on fire. The traditions of that story says that the fire did not burn him. 
so that they came and they stabbed him to death. John Huss lived in the 1400s who believed the Bible should be available to all the teaching Bible should be followed rather than following the Pope. And he was burned at the stake. John Bunyan, writer of Pilgrim's Progress, was imprisoned many times for preaching God's word and not the established government religion. Twelve years was he put in prison at one time. John argued that he had a higher obligation than to the king, that he had an obligation to God to preach the word wherever and whenever he could. This was in the 1600s in Bedford, England. In fact, he's one of the predecessors of establishing what we now know as the Baptist faith. Many more could be named. Let me name you just one more. And I'm sure I don't have this name right, but uh, Ra Hyun Ok a 33-year-old Christian woman in North Korea who was publicly executed for distributing copies of the Bible. Over 30,000 North Koreans are considered to be closet Christians, even as the government has begun to infiltrate some of the underground churches and setting traps for converts. The month and year of her execution, July 2009. May we today give a few minutes to giving tribute using the psalmist words from Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's not by mistake that the longest chapter gives tribute, gives, talks about praises, gives honor to Holy Scripture. I challenge you to take time maybe sometime today or this week to read all 176 verses of this chapter. Spend time meditating, reflecting on what the Word of God will do in your life if you'll let it. But I'm going to give you a few just here today for us as we give tribute to God's Word. The Word of God tells you how to become clean. tells you how to be holy. And how to be pure. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With a whole heart I seek you. Let, not, let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. God's word holds the voice of authority to keep us from sin. We live in a sin-stained world. The Bible teaches us that if we're able to know the cleansing power of God's love, we know it through Jesus Christ. There are people who take showers and baths day after day but never feel clean. God's word offers us the message of the cleansing power of God's love through Jesus. The Bible says he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And knowing and internalizing God's word is the Christian's best method against temptation. And when Jesus tempted in the wilderness, he was our example by quoting Scripture to resist temptation. As we read it, meditate on it, it cleanses as water cleanses the body. In John chapter 15 and verse 3, Jesus said, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken, Jesus said. Paul said in Ephesians 5 and verse 26 that Jesus might sanctify and cleanse, speaking of the church, with the washing of the water by the word. If you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, been forgiven of sin, well then how do we keep clean? We do it by staying in the word, hiding it in our heart. What does that mean to hide it in our heart? Well, it means to treasure it. And if you're going to treasure something, you're not going to ignore it, but long to have it as a part of your life. The answer to sinning less is to spend time with the Lord in His Word. It might mean memorizing Scripture. For Jesus said it's what's on the inside of a person, but that's what really comes out. Have you ever heard somebody talk about somebody maybe that's been in some trouble or maybe they've you know, done some things that aren't good? Somebody says, you know, inside they're really a good person. Or inside they're really kind. Well, it could be that they really are. Or it could be they're just rotten inside. 
And what do they need? They need the cleansing power of God because it begins, the change begins on the inside. John MacArthur Jr. said it's not enough just to read or study the Bible. We must meditate on it. In a very real sense, we're giving our brain a bath. We're washing in the purifying solution of God's Word. Josiah, back to our story, heard the Word of God and he tore his robes in repentance. Allow the cleansing power of God to reveal the sins in your life where you need to make changes, where you need to transform, and then allow Him to help you to commit yourself to the Lord. Well, also in our tribute, we recognize that the Word of God opens your eyes to truth. The Word of God opens your eyes to truth. Verse 18, the psalmist said, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. It's a simple verse for you to memorize. It'd be a great verse for you to memorize and to be able to use every day as you go to the Word of God and pray this prayer that the Lord might open your eyes to the truth. I've heard all the excuses, understand. Listen, it, it's hard. I can't understand it. It's too hard to comprehend. I tried it once. It didn't do anything to me. It doesn't speak to my needs or the things that, that I need from God's Word. Well, ask God to open your eyes so that you might see the riches and wondrous things yet to be found by you in His Word. You'll not only see great and wondrous things, but the Lord will begin to open your eyes to be able to see the world as He sees it. He'll be able to open your eyes to see with compassion and love. When you begin, when you, you begin to ask the Lord to open your eyes through God's, in God's Word, you'll be able to see yourself as God sees you. Twelve times in this psalm it says, Lord, teach me. Teach us. Uh, Lord will open our eyes if we come to it with a teachable spirit. Josiah was willing to do all of God's word says. It began at the temple and it spread throughout all Judah and beyond. He wanted to know, what's next, God? And he heard a word from the Lord. I pastored a small church in North Texas, just right before you go to the Oklahoma border. Very, very rural church, mostly dairy farmers, wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, now when we went to that church uh, and were with these wonderful people, the church itself was in disrepair. The building itself needed lots of repair. Looked like it had not been painted in decades, if not even longer than that, needed lots of painting and care. Um, glass, many of the glasses there, the sanctuary were either broken or missing altogether with something covering it up smelly carpet on the inside. What well, was wonderful people, though. I was with those people when they began to say, you know, we probably won't need to fix this place up. And uh, they began to volunteer. I was with them when they began to volunteer. I'll repair this. I'll pay for the paint. You know how most churches maybe uh, uh, complain or not, but they debate over the carpet, the color of the carpet. Well, these folks just had a hard time saying anything or giving their opinion. So finally, one lady, I believe she was about 89, she said, I'll pay for the carpet if somebody else will pick it out. Boy, they had the thing painted and repaired and glass done, some beveled glass that was put in, new carpet that was done, everything was redone and cleaned up. It went looking like it was an abandoned church to where nobody would ever worship there, to a place that really people would come and worship. I tell you, they felt so good about the church, felt so good about themselves. They began doing church stuff. They had the first WMU, Women's Missionary Union, in over a decade. There was... When you come for Sunday school, there's just a men's class and a women's class. Nobody age just went to one of those, but they began to, they began to have a youth class and a children's class, another children's class. And how about this? They began to have youth and children at that time. We had the first vacation Bible school in 14 years. And 
And for the first time in a long, long time, they had a baptism. Now, the real reform that needs to take place is never the building. And for Josiah, it was not just about the temple, but about the hearts and the practices of the people. It begins with God opening your eyes to the truth. Let's give tribute to God's word. The word of God endures. It gives us that which lasts. Psalm 119, verses 30 through 33 says this, I've chosen the way of faithfulness. I've set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Much time, energy, and monies are spent today on things that do not last and things that are not a good investment when we think about truly things that last, but something that really is a good investment and that which really does have lasting value is the Word of God. Now, I could spend time helping you memorize, perhaps, the facts about the Bible, but it's the application that lasts. The sustenance is found in seeking the Lord and being obedient. Let me ask you something, parents. When you ask your children to do chores, and if you don't, you probably should, but when you ask your children to do chores, do you expect them to really do it? Or do you really expect them maybe to get in a small group and to talk with others about what was meant by what your parents said, if you should really do it or not? Or do you expect them to get together and maybe look at the Greek and the Hebrew word that leads to understanding what it means to mow the grass or to take out the trash? Listen, and I'm all for studying. I'm all for small groups. But don't let that be the end of what it is that you do. In fact, in some places, the Bible makes it very simple. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Consider the motivation. Here was Josiah, whom God has told him not to fear judgment in his lifetime, but he cannot save his nation. The nation's not going to be saved by this king. Why is that? Because there's another king that is going to come that's going to provide salvation. Salvation was not going to be provided by David, not going to be provided by Hezekiah, any of the good kings, and not by Josiah. It would only be by the one who is the perfect king, and we know that that is Jesus. But here was Josiah. Judgment was coming to him. He couldn't do anything to save the nation. But he follows God's word, and he brings reform anyway with no regard of what's in it for him. I know why Josiah followed God's commandments. He loved Yahweh. He loved God. He is a wonderful Old Testament example of why the followers of Jesus should be found faithful. Because Jesus first loved us. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Okay, a tribute to God's word is this. The word of God has real value. The word of God has real value. Verse 72 says this, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. You remember Peter and John, Acts chapter 3, they're walking into the temple, and as they come into the temple, they see a lame man that is begging there, and they stop and they say to him, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. From In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And the man stood up and walked. He was healed. Such a commotion came that day. And Peter began to preach to the crowds, so much so that he was arrested. But by the end of the day, 5,000 became followers of Jesus. If a lame man were begging before our prayer meeting today, what, would we, what could we say? We might say, well, silver and gold, we have some. But we might not be able to give you any healing or any good words or any truth unless we find ourselves people of the word. 
And then we're able to offer truth and able to offer hope in Jesus regardless of the situation. Lives were changed that day because the word, the gospel was preached. The psalmist said the word of God is more valuable than silver or gold. It has the power to change lives, heal the sick, bring salvation to the lost. Well, how can you know the Bible that you're holding in your hand or in your lap or the Bible that you're reading on your phone, how can you know this is the Word of God and there's no other book like it? Written by 40 men over 1,600 years. Moses wrote 1,500 years before Christ. John wrote Revelation the year 95 A.D. has endured the test of time. You can consider it credible because it is incredible in composition. 2 Timothy 3.16 says all... Scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. That word inspired means that it is God-breathed. The Scripture itself, you could be inspired to write a book, you could be inspired to write a song, but only the Word of God, the very words are God's words and God-breathed. And it has one theme, and that is to exalt and glorify the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Bible is credible because it is incredible in durability. It's been burned, banished, and belittled, but it continues. You can consider the Word of God credible because it is incredible in prophecy. Over 300 prophecies were told about Jesus before he was born in Bethlehem, at least 400 years or more before he was born. All were fulfilled in Jesus. What makes it different? from any other religious text like the Quran, the words of Confucius, the Book of Mormon, or any other. How do we know this is sacred scripture and there is no other? If you ever want to talk to somebody about that, you can write down these two words. Feel free. I don't have blanks for them, but you've got a piece of paper. You could write do and done. All other scriptures, all other religions tell you what you must do in order to get to heaven or what you must do to be saved or what you must do to have good karma. Only the Bible, only Christianity tells you what has been done. What Jesus did for us when he died for us on the cross and he rose again. It's by grace through faith that salvation comes. That's what makes it different. That's what makes God's word and Christianity set apart from every other religion or text in the world. That's what makes it so valuable. So now we want to be faithful, not so that we might be able to gain something. We want to be faithful because of what has been done for us. Tribute to the Word of God. The Word of God gives life. It gives life and points to the life giver. Verse 93, Psalm 119, verse 93 says this, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. The same word that spoke everything into existence at the beginning of time now has the power to give life to you and I today. I believe the Bible to be truth. I believe it to be truth from Genesis to Revelation. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful. The Bible is truth about Jesus giving eternal life to those who believe. It also gives life when we are weak or when we are discouraged or feel defeated. It gives us courage. You need a little more pep in your step? Go to the Word of God. Because it is that which gives zest, that which gives life to our day and to our existence and vitality. Tribute to the Word of God. The Word of God gives light so that we can walk without stumbling in the dark world. Look at uh, 
Verse 105, just verse 105 of Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you think that we're living in a dark world, we're here. We're able to find light. Answers to problems. Here, we're able to see what God wants us to see. Peter said in 2 Peter 1, Listen and heed the word as a light that shines in a dark place. John tells us in in 1 John chapter 1, he says that we are able to walk in light as we obey his word. God gives you and I the light we need one step at a time. If you want more light, you feel like you need something more, more information, well, go to God's word. Do what God's word says. Sometimes it's only after you are obedient in what God has already revealed to you that he's ready to reveal anything else to you as well. What made Josiah one of the greatest kings in all the Old Testament? He followed God's word. What will make you and I, what will make this church continuing to grow and go in the direction that the Lord would have us to go? It will be if it happens because we are people of the book. Josiah had the people come and listen. He read the word to them. He made a commitment before them. Then he had all them to make a commitment as well. Covenant to follow God's word. Today I want to make a commitment before you. And I want to ask you to make the same commitment and the same covenant when it comes to the word of God. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to repeat. But in your heart, and maybe even by filling in these notes or in your heart, you see, if the Bible is God's message to me, we're making it personal, then I will resolve to read the Bible daily, study with others, and make worship a priority. I will read the Bible daily, study with others, and make worship a priority where the Bible is sent, where the Bible is studied and where Jesus is exalted. If the Bible is God's message to me, then I will resolve to seek to know Jesus more or seek to know more of Jesus as it is revealed in Scripture. In fact, that's the attitude every time we open the Word. Lord, what can you teach me about yourself? There was an agnostic professor at North Carolina Chapel Hill. He was a professor of New Testament, agnostic. How strange that sounds to me, but I know that it happens often in the academic world. And he said, it's, he said, it's a great mystery to me because here we are. I have lots of young people that come, students that come. They're from the South. Many of them grew up in Christian homes or going to church. And they seem to regard high the Scripture, but they seem to have little knowledge of the Scripture. He said, so recently on the first day of class, 300 students in his class, and he asked them, he said, how many of you have a high regard of Scripture, and you believe in the proposition that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. He quotes 2 Timothy 3.16, that all, all Scripture is inspired by God. Every one of them raised their hands. Boom. Then he asked the question, he said, how many of you have read the Da Vinci Code? Every hand went up. All read the Da Vinci Code. And he said, now how many of you have read all of the Bible? 300 people, 300 students. Two or three hands actually went up. And he said, I'm not telling you that I believe the Bible, but you're telling me that you believe the Bible, that this is God's message to you, this is inspired 
Word of God. I can understand why you'd read the Da Vinci Code, but if you really believe that this is God's Word, God's message to you, why would you want to read it? This agnostic professor said, it's a great mystery of the universe. May it not be a mystery that if we truly hold it in high regard, may we be sure that we are committing to knowing God's Word and to following God's Word. If the Bible is God's message to me, then I will resolve to allow His message to me to transform my attitude and my actions. Well, I don't know that I've told you anything new. Maybe I've cleared some things up. Maybe I just reminded you of something. But today, if it's maybe a misunderstanding about God's Word that has caused you not to give your heart and life to Jesus or to follow Him wholeheartedly, Today may be the greatest discovery in your life. That you have found that God's word is true, that you can depend on it, that you can trust it, and that you want to go to it every day. You want to study it with others. You want to be involved in worship. You want to see what it says about the Lord Jesus and allow it to transform your heart and your life today. I encourage you to do that very thing. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this Lord's Day. We thank you for this opportunity to come and bring you worship. We pray, Father, we've done it in a manner that is worthy of the calling of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we, today, as we have read from your word, and we've read the story in the Old Testament, we've sought to give you tribute. We pray that your name truly has been praised, that people would be only see you and your word and what it has to say. Father, if there's a commitment that I need to make or that anyone here needs to make to truly being dedicated to either reading or following, being a part of what God's Word says as it points to Jesus, I pray that that will take place even now. We pray that we as a church may continue and even more so be people of the book. People can see that we just don't hold it in high regard, but we seek to follow all that it says. Father, we pray if there's someone here, someone listening perhaps today that they don't know you as Savior and Lord. And maybe it is the Word itself, power of your Word. We pray that today, if there's someone here who doesn't know you, someone listening, that today might be the day of salvation, that they've understood because of what God's Word says, that they can call upon Jesus, the one who died for them and rose again, the one who gives life and light. May they call upon Him even now, asking Jesus to forgive of sin asking Christ to come in. We lift these prayers in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Would you please stand? We're going to be singing our song of commitment today and as we do, we encourage you to continue to worship the Lord, continue to do business with the Lord. Now's the time, Lord, to say, yes, Lord, what would you have me to do? What do I need to do next? encourage you to follow the Lord's direction in your life. If you're looking for a church home, you want to join the Parkway Baptist family, just come. Our staff are down here. We'll be glad to talk with you and tell you what next steps are, what you need to do to join today. You just come talk with us. We'll be singing along with you. Just come alongside. Or if there's someone here that hasn't accepted Christ and you'd like to talk about matters of faith, or maybe you have, you'd like to come for baptism, make it public today. You come as the Lord leads. And we sing together. You come.